This episode brought to you by Iron Galaxy. Scream like a school kid with Capsule Force, an intergalactic retro anime multiplayer game now available on PS4 and Steam. Check it out at CapsuleForce.com. Hey, are you a disincarnate spirit? Are you a soul forever trapped on this mortal realm, looking for some place to inhabit and otherwise influence the actions and experiences of the living? I get it. I'm Ricky Vitino. In 1923, I was a shoeshine boy, but I caught a stray bullet in some gangland violence. Now, I like to travel the world, haunting people in different places using Scarbnb. Scarbnb is an ethereal service for spirits to list, find, and haunt lodging. Were you stabbed to death by a jealous lover in Pennsylvania, but you long for the tropical climate of San Diego? Well, moan no longer. Scarbnb makes certain that all of the haunting locations not only have a family susceptible to terror, but also a terrifying backstory so as to explain your presence. Once you create a profile on Scarbnb, you're free to browse thousands of pre-selected dwellings to haunt, including international locations. I wanted to try going into the light for two weeks, so I listed my home on Scarebnb. I had some very strict house rules. We needed a door that had to be slammed at 3 a.m. every morning, and a disconnected voice of a young girl crying in a closet. Scarebnb set me up with a gentleman spirit on vacation from France, and he did a fantastic job. He had the family at my house sh- in their drawers. Merci and merci scare B and B. There I was, having a cup of tea, hanging out with me mates. Blam! German buzz bomb, I'm dead. Never even got to go to the States. Until Scare B and B helped me out, right? Thanks to Scare B and B, I'm having a time of my life terrifying a family in Springfield, Missouri. You'd never believe how much peanut butter they ate. So there you have it. Just because you're bound to this mortal plane for all of eternity doesn't mean you got to spend it in one place. Go ahead, check out Scarebnb. Terrorize to your heart's delight anywhere you go in the world with Scarebnb. Fotober, spooky scares, scary spooks. We're the Dave and Dave. Apart, and we're both Dave. Everything is just. What are you talking about? I'm Hoss. You are Hoss. You're little Joe. Oh, little Joe. I've got a cool jacket. Hey, everybody! <laughs> blurry photos, and the month of blurry photober has clearly broken our brains. It's the saddest time of the year. No, it's not. It's the saddest time. Why? It's the last episode of blurry photober. Oh, uh, but it's the run up to Halloween. I mean, bittersweet. Uh, Double edged sword. That's right. Knife blade with two halves. Well, that's okay because we are going to terrify you into such a coma. It'll take you a, a long time. A good year. Oh, well, six months until maybe more than, I don't, how many months until we do campfire stories in the summer? Because until July, then, it'll August. be until then. Well, That's how scared you'll be. We used to do a sort of a ghost stories in the winter time too. Oh, we did Yule. T- yeah, we did the one time we did because the Yule of time. for Christmas. It's a lot of scary stories yeah. in, in a short amount and of I gotta time. And I got to tell you, honest. dear sweet listener. You think that scary stories is like the mighty Mississippi. 
just rolling down this country, carrying good times on her. And it is, but man, is it muddy. <laughs> it's muddy and shockingly shallow in places. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It is, uh, it's, it, you, you got to cast a wide net. You got to be willing to throw out a lot of trashy fish Ugh. and you should never drink from it. <laughs> That's we far. can, we can paddle a boat all the way down it if we want. Yeah. Steam, yeah. steam boat. Hey, by the way, metaphors, David Flora here. Oh, and I'm Dave Stecco for blurry photos. That's right. Do you listen to podcasts? I bet you do. <laughs> hope this, uh, photober has been. Most excellent to you. Yeah, I hope you guys have, have just enjoyed the the leaves blowing and this kind of cool nights. Go out for walks. Mm. You see the mm. the moon through the mm. naked tree branches, and it's all knurled witches' fingers. And had that old blood moon. I guess yeah. that was in September, but yeah, that was a while ago, dude. It was a while ago, but but it was bloody. And I I, I obviously am still alive from from the bourbon run. So yeah. In one just just machine like piece, because <laughs> everything fused together. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna end end this photober as we do every photober by scaring the piss out you. You're going to shite your pants. You're gonna whiz your dockers. <laughs> gonna soil your kilt. <laughs> You're gonna load your luckies. <laughs> He's going for brand names. I'm yeah. going for styles. <laughs> <laughs> gonna crap your chinos <laughs> gonna leave it in your Levi's <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> no 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 let's just keep going let's, let's just do this we got we got a couple hours right yeah we have we have hand selected a few stories yep for you this this our fourth edition of the ghost stories yeah this time including Listeners' tales of terror. Yep, we've got some listener scares on deck. I didn't tell Dave this yet, but uh, we've got a homebrew. Homebrew. On this one. Who's who? 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 Wait, from you? Yeah, homebrew from you. Well, sometimes there's a homebrew from Annie. Oh, that's right. Um, Annie, Annie set this one out. She owes me a sequel. She owes. Oh, is this all a sequel? <laughs> um, we'll never know what happened to those teenagers. <laughs> I don't even remember, but I was a shot in the dark that there was teenagers. <laughs> I just remember that it was a cliffhanger. It was, yeah, it was the alien craft right. that had crashed or something. Oh, and um, one one kid got sucked into it. Yeah, so got a got a homebrew for me, got a classic tale that used to scare me as a kid. Nice. Bring it up. I've got I've got a tale that I uh just picked. Don't know. I yeah, like I like rando. the rando. I like the rando. Rando Calrissian. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Rando and- first blood. <laughs> nice. Um, so yeah, let's let you, what do you say we get to it, Flora? I I'm down with that. Nice. I'm down with that. Now, uh, in, in this very different, not listener mail format, I can tell you without any sound effects or screeching tires that our first story is from our friend, Michael wheels, Michael, good to hear from you. <laughs> um, so vroom, vroom, Michael wheels. <laughs> what is this one called? It's called the Mask Massacre. Oh, Ma- Max Massacre, Mad Madsucker, Mad Sucker, Mad Max. Now, <laughs> because 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 Mikey Wheels is a longtime friend of the podcast, I always want to go. <clears throat> a dur on Halloween, a bur. <laughs> <laughs> it's too fun. All right, here we go. 
On Halloween 1993, the town of San Pedro, California. Where's this now? <laughs> it's in California. California? <clears throat> America-California? On Halloween 1993, the town of San Pedro, California was rocked by a horrific massacre. The massacre was so horrendous, the town had banned the holiday for the next five years. Oh, come on, don't be hating on the holiday. Well, we gotta, we gotta stop it somehow. Holiday we, ain't the problem. We're certainly not gonna take guns away from lunatics, so okay. we have to cancel holidays instead. One such victim of this tragedy was a 14-year-old boy named Billy Morgan. Billy. Oh, Billy. Well, I mean, he survived, and he went on later to claim that that day was the greatest day I've ever known. Can't wait for tomorrow. <laughs> a little Axl Rose there. <laughs> no, different. No, that's Billy Corrigan. That's Billy Corrigan. All right. We'll get through this. I thought I really did think it was Billy Morgan. Now, now we're tipping into that point where that YouTube commenter did say that we're we're just sitting around getting high and giggling about story. <laughs> we are really tiptoeing. Into Stop it. making me giggle, dude! <laughs> All right, we're having too much fun with a horror story, it's and not, it's a listener story. We should not we gonna, should respect yeah, it's it. It's not going to land. It's not going to land if we're having fun with it. Sorry, Michael. Sorry, Mister Wheels. Billy had always loved anything macabre and spooky, especially Halloween. On the way home from school, Billy noticed a new Halloween shop had opened, and it was packed full of kids. Having no real idea of what he wanted to be that year, he went in and checked it out. As he walked in, he noticed that almost all of the masks were gone. The store clerk, who was a kindly-looking old man, approached him and asked if he knew what he wanted. Billy looked at the three masks and thought hard about the decision. One mask was a typical alien mask, the second a Frankenstein mask, and the last was a creepy rubber cracked doll mask. He practically drooled over it. That night, Billy got dressed in his new costume and went out to get some candy. He waited until Halloween to figure out what he wanted to be? Well, it's a town Billy, that, you They didn't have Halloween for a long time. Maybe he... There, I mean, the store was just opened. That's the day the store opened. It was okay. full of kids. Not Billy's fault. Same day that they... Okay. Yeah. As Billy wore the mask, he noticed it was a little loose. So he mushed the mask against his skin so it would fit better. As he took to the streets, he saw a bunch of kids wearing masks from the same shop. After hitting 20 houses and making bank on candy, <laughs> he turned and went back home. As he went inside, he tried taking the mask off, but realized it felt stuck. He called to his mom for help, but she had just as much trouble. You should have put ba baby powder in there so it wouldn't stick, she said. Let me get some scissors. <laughs> she came back and walked behind him. She tilted his head forward and began to gently cut up the seam on the back of the mask. Then she reached in front of him while still behind, grabbed the front seam and began to pull. The mask still wouldn't give and Billy began to panic. She told him to hold still as she began to pull harder. Finally, after one hard pull, it gave. Billy screamed, holding his face before falling to the floor. She dropped the mask and rolled him onto his back. His face was covered in blood. In fact, he had no face at all. It was just skinless meat. Blech. She looked at the mask and saw his face still attached on the inside and screamed in horror. He was dead. That night, 20 other children died the same way. Yeah. After a small investigation, it was discovered that the store owner of the Halloween store had hated children and wanted to wipe them all out. He had taken, uh, got him. 
He had taken each mask the children bought and placed a special glue that would re-soften from the warmth when worn. The glue would then harden, causing the mask to stick. When the kids would try to remove the mask, it would rip their face off and kill them instantly. <laughs> Wetly deathly. That's it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, you know what? Macabre. Yeah. You know that there's a movie that I, I want to think it's, a, I think it's an Eli Roth film called Clown. Yeah. That's kind of recent, isn't it? Yeah. But it's like not released. I've got a running like plans with my friend. The second we can find this movie, we're all going to get together and watch it kind of follows a similar thing, except for, uh, he becomes this like hell clown. Right. Cause he puts yeah, the, the mask on. Yeah. It looked cool. And this also kind of reminds me of, um, Halloween three, which if you've never seen it is just the most nonsensical horror movie <laughs> because for some reason, Halloween three was like, Oh yeah. It, it's imagine a Friday the 13th where they were just like, you know, what's old and tired. Jason Voorhees, get rid of them. You know what kids are afraid of? Android robots. Halloween three. There is no Michael Myers need not apply. How do you, how do you, how do you have a, how do you have a Halloween? How do you have a Halloween movie? How do you have a Halloween movie? I don't know <laughs> because the whole thing is like druid robot androids are going to like do some shit on Halloween. They're handing out masks to kids and the masks when activated by a special TV signal, turn their heads into, I mean, you never see what happens inside the mask. You just sure. know that the kids start rolling around on the floor in misery and then just snakes and spiders and centipedes start pouring out of the mask. Wow. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> But the most important thing about Halloween three is this commercial that keeps running throughout the movie because the company's called silver shamrock and Hey kids, don't forget, uh, you know, all, you know, Halloween's coming. Don't forget to come into silver shamrock and get your Halloween masks. This plays like five times over the course of the movie and it'll get in your head and it'll never f-ing leave. <laughs> you tell kids to be in front of the tv at nine o'clock on i guess you know what you know what what i don't have any reference for is the time that you can trick or treat yeah because when when i was uh little and and trick-or-treating it always seemed like yeah going around to house to house this this is great it's lasting a long time could be longer but i'm getting a lot and now it's like Halloween is from 7.15 to 7.30 at night. Do not be out later than that. Do not be out earlier than that. Like, what? Oh, yeah. And I remember when I was a kid, there was like the homeschool kids in the neighborhood who had to like trick or treat during the day. There's nothing shitball lamer than that. Why? 
because of uh, this was the eighties uh, satanic panic. The homeschool um, kids. Uh, this is, I mean, like only like the 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 super protective parents were like, oh no, only during like it's two p.m. Oh, no. We're gonna, <laughs> and they they would they were worried about satanists. They were worried about all of those shitty urban legends of oh, there's razors and apples, there's sure. poison and everything. Um, and then and then and this was this is legit. It is hard to see kids on Halloween. They dress in black and they run amok. But still, like I lived in like just a really regular residential neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We all went trick or treating all over the place, and it was fine. Yeah, there was a place that gave you a dime. You get a dime from these one weird people. Weird. It's super weird. There was there was all of those great things of Halloween. There was the one house that always gave out raisins, and their front lawn was just littered with little boxes of raisins because every kid was like, Let me "Get this the f- out of here." <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I I tell you what, I hated those orange and black candies. Never could I, I, the I, ones I, that were like taffy, taffy, and they were kind of peanut buttery or something. Oh, I oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, couldn't do it. Yeah, the beige candy. Yeah, yes, yeah, that were wrapped in. Wax paper that that were orange and black. Yeah, nothing says I could give two f**ks less. Yeah, than but I don't want my house TP'd. So what's <laughs> what what's the median on that? Yeah, <laughs> I've always wanted to like just lose my mind one year and be the house that was giving out full size bars. Oh man, but do you want that much attention? No. Yeah, I wish there was. Yeah, there's there's got unless be- you had a really great scare in the yard. Yeah. That's that's what's worth it. Do you know? Did you? I saw there. Was, I saw a YouTube clip. Somebody there's a scare that's like a an old like man sitting in a chair, but behind it, it's it's like the old it's like the uh, cartoon boxing glove with the crisscross thing. You know, it shoots out. Yeah, the whole guy flies out of the chair like <laughs> eight feet the straight whole forward. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just like, Bark! and it just like launches him eight <laughs> feet right up to somebody. <laughs> Uh, and then he that's like how you kill a child <laughs> yeah. and then he's like and goes back to the chair and waits for the oh god that's great well yeah thanks mikey wheels thank you mikey and uh, if you get a chance youtube halloween three <laughs> ad and it's just uh, i mean i don't i i we would put it in here i, I I don't know if we're allowed to or not, so we're just not. You know, how's that for? for I'll for play what you played. Who gives a shit? Nice. Who's going to come after me? Michael Myers? No, <laughs> he wasn't in the fucking movie. <laughs> it is a really weird movie, and I I would recommend it just because it just makes just no damn sense. Yeah. All right. Well, keep it going here. I've got an old classic uh, that that used to scare me as a child. Nice. And this one. Uh, this one's called Taylor Poe. Tally Poe? Not, not Tally. Tally Okay. Okay. You'll see why. There was an old man who lived alone in the middle of the forest. Is his name Tally Poe? No. He must have been 60 years old if he was a day, but nobody knew his real name. It's not that old. Most folks just called him Old Jake because he was so old. That's, that's weird. I, I added that last part. I'm <laughs> okay. I was like, I just don't feel like 60's that old. <laughs> he had three loyal hunting dogs that kept him company on the long, lonely nights. Their names were I Know, You Know, and Come to Co Calico. He lived in an old cabin he had built himself. Wait, what was the name of the third dog? 
Come to Co Calico? Wow. Okay. Way back in the deep, dark woods, he lived. It wasn't very big, but it was just big enough for him and his dogs. The cabin only had one room in it, and that was his bedroom, his living room, his dining room, and his kitchen, too. Shitter was outside. <laughs> I was going to ask, what about, what about, where's Pleasure Town? <laughs> I said, shitter's outside. <laughs> At one end of the room, there was a nice big open fireplace where he could cook his supper and warm his bones on the cold winter nights. Old Jake loved hunting, fishing, and the great outdoors. He had a little garden where he planted vegetables, and he'd go out every day to hunt for rabbits and fish. Hunt and fish. (laughs) The key is to get a fish blind and a high-powered rifle. (laughs) During the warm months, there was more than enough food to go around, but in the colder months... It was hard to keep his belly full. One cold winter night, the old man's stomach was grumbling, but there was nothing to eat in the cupboards but a few moldy potatoes. I'd have eaten them. I would have eaten them. He stoked the fire in the fireplace to keep the cabin warm, and he went to bed. He's just about to fall asleep when he heard something in the room. He opened his eyes just in time to see a shadow creeping across the wall. When he sat up in bed and peered into the darkness... His eyes grew wide in terror. Sitting across the room from him was the weirdest looking creature he'd ever seen. It was short and stubby with pointed ears and bright yellow eyes that seemed to burn with some strange fire. Its body was covered in black fur and it had big sharp claws and a long thick tail. Was it a meth head? A meth head had wandered (laughs) in the cabin. Stop getting ahead of me. For a moment, Jake just sat there, frozen in fear. He stared at the hideous creature, and it stared back at him. Then, quick as a flash, he grabbed his hunting knife and lunged at the thing. It sprang up and scurried out the hole it had clawed in the cabin wall. The thing was fast, but so was Jake. A split second second before it escaped, he brought his knife down squarely on its big tail cut it off. The creature let out a horrible screech and disappeared into the night. Old Jake was left standing there with a long, thick tail in one hand and a bloody knife in the other. Jake was about to throw the tail outside when his stomach started rumbling again. He was famished with the hunger, so he took the tail, cleaned it, cooked it, and ate it for his supper. Tasted a bit strange, but there was a lot of it, and it was very chewy. In fact, it kind of tasted like chicken. Classic. With his stomach full, old Jake plugged up the hole in the cabin with some old rags and newspapers. Then he got back into bed and drifted off to sleep. He hadn't been asleep very long before he was wakened by a strange noise. It sounded like something trying to scratch its way into the cabin. The old man thought that if he stayed really quiet, the thing might go away. He could hear it. Scratch. 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 And then... A strange voice outside hissed. Tailey Po, I want my Tailey He thought he might be imagining things, but then he heard it again. Tailey Po, Tailey I want my Tailey Old Jake jumped up out of bed, ran to the front door, and threw it open. He called out to his dogs, I know, you know, come to Co-Calico, get over here. The dogs, they came tearing up to the cabin and ran around, barking and sniffing and snarling. 
couldn't find a thing. Jake shrugged his shoulders and went back to bed again. He was just about to drift off to sleep when he heard the noise again. This time, the scratching sounded like it was at the window. Whatever it was, it really, really wanted to get in. But the scratching seemed to be on two walls at one time. Then he heard the strange voice again. This time it hissed a little louder. Old Jake, who wasn't one to frighten easily, was getting a little shaky. This was getting really weird. So he eased to the window and called, I know, you know, come to Cocalico, come on over here and see what this scratching is in my house. The three dogs bounded up to the porch and they sniffed around, barked, barked and sniffed, but they never found anything at all. Jake decided to stay up for the rest of the night to protect himself, his dogs, and his little cabin. So he pulled a chair next to the fireplace, grabbed a blanket from his bed, and settled in for the rest of the wind-chilled, wintry night. Sleep soon overtook him, and once again he dozed off. It was almost dawn when Jake woke with a start. The sound of scratching seemed to reverberate from every area of the cabin. Jake searched frantically for his axe, his rifle, or something to defend himself with, but he was so frightened he couldn't find anything. The scratching grew louder and louder and louder. Give me back my telephone. It was Eric Cartman all along. And you guys. Seriously, my telephone. I'm seriously, you guys. But me. Jake yelled back, Leave me alone. I ain't got your telephone. Then he called his dogs, but this time, the dogs didn't come. He waited and waited. But still, not one dog came running. Jake had never been so scared in his life. He ran to his bed and jumped in. The scratching and the voice grew louder and louder and louder. give me back my Jake yelled back as loud as he could. I ain't got no telepo, so why don't you just leave me alone and go on about your business? I ain't never hurt nobody or nothing, just leave me alone. The scratching seemed to be inside the house now, and the voice was so loud it was deafening. Telepo! Telepo! You took my telepo! Now, I'm back to get it! Give it to me now! Jake pulled the cover up over his head and stayed as quiet as he could, but the scratching was now in his room. Give me back my telepo! Jake then felt the thing scratching up the bottom of the bed and onto the cover. He eased the cover down to see what was steadily approaching, and he saw it. A short, stubby creature with pointed ears, fat feet with long claws, and bloodshot red eyes that glowed in the dark. Eyes that seemed to burn straight through Jake. Before he could pull the cover over his head again, the thing pounced on his chest, looked straight down at him, and said, You got my taily and you better give it back to me. No! Jake yelled, I ate it! I ate your taily and it's gone! And that thing started to scratch and claw and tear away at poor old Jake, trying to get that taily back. Jake tried to fight back, but that thing was too strong and those claws were too sharp. Jake's screams echoed throughout the dark mountains, then stopped, leaving a chilling silence. About a month or two after hearing from old Jake, the townspeople got worried and came looking for him. They hiked up the mountain and through the forest, but when they reached his cabin, 
they found it had been torn to shreds. There was no sign of Jake or the dogs. They searched the woods and called out to him, Jake, I know, you know, come to Cocalico. But there was no answer. Old Jake and his dogs were never seen again. Townspeople say if you're all alone out there at night and you listen carefully, you can hear a strange voice calling on the wind. Tailypo. Tailypo. Yes. Now I've got my tailypo. I'm seriously, you guys. <laughs> the end. That's righteous. That's a good one. I always like that one. Yeah. I would also, honestly, because part of me is like, oh, man, I would love to have a cabin, three dogs, middle of nowhere. Three dogs is a lot of dogs. It's a lot of dogs. Got to feed them, too. All right, I've got a uh, I've got a story by the Irish Daigle. Irish uh, it, oh, Daigle. This isn't uh, this isn't listener mail, so it's the Irish Daigle. Okay, mm. Mm. it's really nice. Thank you for writing a story for our podcast, Ireland's Daigle. <laughs> I, I like for some reason that if it's not listener mail, that it has to be like NPR. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get to listener mail soon. Where all the slide whistles and trombones <laughs> and <laughs> live. <laughs> Ironically, took the slide whistle out of listener mail. <laughs> Puns. That's what Puns. it was. All right. Uh, anyway, the Irish Daigle wrote us a great story called The Weeping Thief. The Weeping Thief. The Weeping Thief. The Weeping Thief is outside my inn door, and I don't know what to do. How she knows me as a wanted man, a robber of banks, is unimportant. She is here. The weeping thief has come. I know the stories. I could call out, but she'd silence me before help arrived. I could barricade the door, but she'd find another way in. I could arm myself with flintlock or saber, but she's impervious and relentless. The song that children sing drifts out from under the door. A woman's voice, and yet somehow thin, translucent. The weeping thief has come to sweep away your dreams. When night forever falls, no one will hear your screams. The weeping thief is here, a-knocking on your door. And if you don't answer quick, you'll answer nevermore. The weeping thief is tired of hearing that you sing, offers you this one chance to come and let her in. The weeping thief is glad to be busy on this night, for every lesson taught is a wrong set right. Weeping thief, weeping thief, won't you come and play? Weeping thief, weeping thief, bring vengeance on this day. And then the scratching begins. First a skittering, then silence. Then several more taps and another skittering. I am petrified with fright, moved to immobility. Surely this is a joke. Surely it's some rapscallion playing at night terrors. But that voice, oh, that voice. I lift my body from the bed, approach the door by scant candlelight. The skittering, scratching, and whispering continues. I lean close, ear to the solid wood of the door, and though it is summer and the night hardly cool, my breath frosts out in front of me, shallow plumes of mist seen by candlelight. Who calls at this hour? I ask, and the scritching, scratching is the only response. Is it Peter? Or Thomas, playing some prank? The first verse of the children's rhyme comes again the voice hauntingly quiet, but clear as a bell. The weeping thief has come to sweep away your dreams. 
when night forever falls, no one will hear your screams. Anne-Marie? It's late. Please just let me get some sleep, I beg, the terror in my voice I cannot contain. Weeping thief, weeping thief, it's time to come and play. Whatever is on the other side of the door slams against it. The frame shudders and I fall back, losing my footing. The light from under the door is pale, not like the gas lanterns in the hallway. I expect the shuffling shadows of a pair of boots, but it is a nightmare, drifting, choking the light and swirling as though made of fine threads whipped in circles. The shadow overwhelms the light and the door pulses, like my thudding heart. Crash, crash, crash. The voice whispers again. Weeping thief, weeping thief, your sins are come to bear. I pick myself off the rug, trembling hand on the bedpost, eyes on the door as it shudders in its frame with each jolt. Surely someone will come. Surely all this racket is raising the other lodgers. My friends, the innkeep, somebody. But no one comes. The whispers, the scratching, the banging on the door. Maybe they're just too scared to come and look. Cowards, I say. Just a prank, I tell myself. Or at the worst, a more generic thief in the night, playing upon the terrors of a child's rhyme to perpetrate crime. Slung over the chair is my pistol and saber. I drag the pistol from its holster, bolstering my courage. No petty crook will have my wits tonight. Time for a holster bolster. <laughs> yeah, you need a holster bolster. I come back to the door, still banging, still scratching. Shadows shifting, voice whispering. Weeping thief, weeping thief. Only fools dare to believe. Come to call on my sins, you say? Aha! <laughs> come to call on my sins, you say? Come to weigh my guilt, eh, weeping thief? Then come in and see how you do. I release the latch and step back, pistol at the ready. The door quiets. The pale glow from under the door brightens, takes on the warmth from the gas lanterns once more. For a moment, all is silent in the dead of night, and I dare to exhale. And my breath mists as before. The voice whispers quieter. Weeping thief, weeping thief, have you said your prayers? Weeping thief, weeping thief, come to calm your cares. A chill sweeps the room and the candle first flickers, casting shadow puppets along the wall over the door. Then the chill wind, the bitter-to-the-bone breath, snuffs the candle out in all is darkness. All is creeping dread. I scrambled back, tripping over the chest at the foot of the bed, falling to my knees before the desk and chair. There are matches in the desk, in my pack, and so long as the door is closed I can contain my fear, still my trembling fingers. The light from under the door cracks up the wall as the handle turns in the darkness. The light fades to that pale glow as hinges in dire need of oiling creak and groan. The pale shine outlines a womanly figure draped in threads of gray, melting like candle wax. Not possible. I swing the flintlock in her direction as she enters, seeming to float along the wooden floor, and pull the trigger as the door swings shut behind her. The gun puffs a tiny ball of flame, blinding in the new darkness but the shot is a dud. Black powder fills the room and something else, something I can't describe, sweet and suffocating. No time to reload, no time to do anything. I drop the pistol and fumble in the darkness of the pale night for my chair, my saber, for the candles of the candlestick. If my fingers light on a pillow, I will throw it. The voice whispers across the bed from me. The weeping thief enters, is grateful for invite. Are you ready, sinner, for the price you pay tonight? Get you gone, demon, I shouted, shoving on the bed. If I can make the door, perhaps I'll live to tell the tale. But my loot is under the bed. Dare I risk it? 
weigh it against my life, my soul? I abandon the satchel of money, my no. possessions. No, idiot. Just the saber unsheathed from the scabbard as I dart away from the bed, towards the scant glow from under the door. From behind me, the whisper, so close I can feel the warm words brushing my ear. The weeping thief has come to help you shed those tears. You've stolen many lives. You will pay for all your years. I ignore it, hand battering the latch in the near darkness, her breath cold on my neck. The handle twists, but the door won't come free, and as if the frame shrunk around the door since it opened last. The latch is loose, but the damn thing holds on. I spin, swinging the saber blindly in front of me. So hard it catches in the wall next to me with a thud that jolts my arm so hard I let it go. She is near me. I can hear her, though I can't see her. With both hands, I yank on the saber and it comes free. Just as I am swinging it wildly in the other direction, a wet, cold hand grasps my wrists. Though the touch is light, I cannot hold the saber any longer. It drops and clatters to the ground at my feet while I yank my arm free of this chill touch. What do you want? I cry, kicking at the door behind me. Someone, anyone, has to have heard it all. It is like kicking solid stone. I feel her leaning close, and the aura of chill emanating from her freezes my blood in its veins. I would sob if I could, but I am too frightened. The sing-song quality of her voice drops away, and she is so close her lips touch my cheek. Do you know why they call me the weeping thief? She asks, and the candle suddenly sparks to life. Pale glow like the light from under the door. It only lasts a moment. But in that flash, I see twirling hair and angry, blazing eyes before the candle snuffs out and darkness consumes the room. I have seen her, in all her terrible beauty, arms reaching, fingers caressing, tears streaming from her eyes. I asked you a question, Bank Robber. I don't know. Please, I I didn't hurt anybody, I beg, cringing from her touch. She runs a freezing hand across my cheek. I weep for those who cannot, those dead those with no redress. You and your kind steal the livelihood of honest men, honest women, and then claim no harm. Without their livelihood, they starve. Without their savings, they wither and die, while you claim innocence. All the strength has run out of me, such that even if I could muster the courage to fight back, I could not lift a finger. The tears are forming, and though she emanates a cold freeze to my heart, my tears run. Abruptly, the normal voice is gone, and the sing-song verse comes back. Are you ready, robber, for the price that you must pay? I give to you the many tears the weeping thief's dismay. All the suffering leaves her and enters me, and though she vanishes from my presence and the candle flickers to life once more, I am blinded by waves of grief, of sobs unparalleled. My eyes boil over and drown me, and the last thing I hear is the weeping thief's litany started on another door down the hall. The weeping thief has come to sweep away your dreams. When night forever falls, no one will hear your screams. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect timing. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Irish Dago. Irish Dago. That was awesome. Uh, You can find more of his works at panningforclouds.com. Yep. So check check his stuff out. It's pretty righteous. If you want to be scared sh** until you can't think straight, go to panningforclouds.com. <laughs> well, let's see here. What, what else we got? What else we got? Would you like to hear one that I wrote? <laughs> Would I? I'll do one that I wrote then. Yeah, do it. Mine is called The Lake. 
It was midday, the sun having just stopped its climb, and the pleasantness of the morning gave way to the heat of late summer. Stepping out onto the deck of her new lake house, Andrea looked out across the large, sparkling lake that sat a mere twenty yards from the deck steps. Such a peaceful, calming view, she thought, as a hawk flew out over the water and the sunlight jumped from gentle wave to gentle wave. She and her husband Greg had been lucky to find this house. There were barely any properties available around the large, secluded lake, and this place had been on the market for a while with no offers. Greg walked up behind her and put his arm on her shoulder, sharing the moment before suggesting they go for a swim in the inviting waters of the lake. Andrea readily agreed, and soon they were wading into the refreshing coolness, laughing and splashing each other. Greg swam out farther and turned on his back, floating and enjoying the sun on his face and the birds overhead, as Andrea swam underwater and towards him. As she positioned herself to surprise him Jaws style, she felt something brush her right leg by the ankle. Her mind raced from plant to fish to snake, and with the last thought, she propelled herself upward quickly and surfaced right beside Greg, gasping as he righted himself and asked her what was wrong. Andrea regained her composure and told him that something had brushed her leg and startled her, and he started chuckling, assuring her it was probably just a fish and playfully teasing her. She smiled and splashed water at him, deciding she was ready to swim back and do some things around the house. Later that night, the two were sitting on the deck, finishing a bottle of wine, and watching the moonlight dance on the water's surface. The heat from the day had lingered, and feeling a little amorous, Greg suggested they take a quick dip before bed. I want you to smell like lake water, baby. <laughs> before Andrea could protest, he'd already jumped up and pulled off his shirt and sandals, and was working on the rest as he bounded down toward the lake. She smiled, finished the wine in her glass, glanced around to make sure no one was in sight, secluded as they were, and started off toward the lake, losing her clothing as she went. What a minx. She's down to swim. <laughs> DTF, down to float. <laughs> the two swam out in the moonlight, coming together to kiss and letting their hands wander indiscriminately. <laughs> oh, Flora, quit writing porn. Shut you up get, and, shut get, up and hey, go along. Buddy, go along with, hey, yo, with two guys in a room, you get me all worked up here. Come on. Just, it's confusing. Just go with the ride. So caught up in each other they were that neither noticed how far from shore they had floated. Andrea was enjoying a deep kiss when she suddenly opened her eyes and pulled back. Something had brushed her leg again, but this time she distinctly felt something try to wrap around her ankle. She suddenly felt very vulnerable and scared, and told Greg she had to get out as she quickly swam back to shore. Greg, confused, treaded water as he watched her swim away, and what am I going to do with this giant erection, baby? And when she baby! Got to, got Come on! When she got to shore and headed toward the house, he began to swim back himself. She later told him something had tried to wrap around her ankle, and, still skeptical, he comforted her and assured her nothing was trying to get her from under the water. She felt better and headed to bed. Greg walked around the house, locking up and turning lights off. And, glancing out the window... He studied the lake for a moment, taking in the dark water, the moonlight, an owl or bat above it, the black mass of trees lining it. He then joined Andrea in bed and quickly fell asleep. The next morning, Greg and Andrea were in high spirits, the uncomfortableness of the previous night having passed. But the lake was gone. 
and both talked of plans to improve the house and Ghost such. Lake. Greg had decided he wanted fish for dinner that night and asked Andrea to come fishing with him, which she declined. Assuring her that imagination was getting the best of her, he finally convinced her to join him, and soon the two were out on a small rowboat, Greg with a fishing rod in hand. Not far from the shore, Greg decided to cast a line, and both settled in, chatting and popping open a couple of beers. Andrea closed her eyes and turned her face to the sky, letting the sun wash over, and slowly opened her eyes back up as a hawk passed overhead. She frowned, thinking it was odd to see another hawk like she did the day before, but dismissed the thought as Greg began asking about paint for the bedroom and carpet for the living room and things of that nature. They talked for a while with no action on the line, and in a conversation lull, a shadow passed over the boat. Andrea glanced up in time to see a hawk sail over them, and then she felt a cold chill. It was the same hawk as earlier, no doubt. In fact, it was the same hawk as yesterday. Of that she was sure, but she didn't know why. Her skin bristled with goosebumps despite the hot sun, and she suddenly felt uneasy. Just then, Greg felt a tug at the line and excitedly readied himself to reel in dinner. Andrea sat upright and watched him, and the line went taut once more, this time staying taut. Greg began reeling, but it quickly became a struggle he was not prepared for. Without warning, the rod jerked out of his hand and disappeared below the surface. Cursing, Greg took off his sandals and shirt to go after it, but Andrea stopped him. She told him how uncomfortable she felt, that they should just leave it and go home. Something was wrong. Greg laughed and told her not to worry, that he had to go after their only pole and just to sit tight. Andrea, on the verge of tears, watched as he jumped out of the boat and swam under. The water quickly became murky as Greg swam down, looking for any sign of the fishing rod. Visibility was next to nothing, and, deciding to get under the breath, he turned to swim up to the boat. Suddenly, he felt something brush against his leg, almost wrapping around his calf. He kicked it off and swam up to the surface, grabbing the boat and spitting water as he told Andrea something tried to grab him. She scrambled to help him into the boat, all the while going, I told you, you idiot! But his face turned to terror as a hand firmly grabbed his ankle under the water. Andrea watched in horror as Greg slipped from her grasp and disappeared under the surface. Greg felt like an anchor was dragging him down as he struggled to swim upward, making very little progress. He looked up to see Andrea swimming under the water and reached up for her, just brushing her right ankle. He saw her swim up quickly as he kept sinking, and he struggled harder to slow the descent any way he could. Looking up again, he thought he saw her legs again, and summoning all his strength, he lunged upward, just barely getting his hand around her ankle. No luck, though, as she again swam away before he could get a grip. He could feel darkness closing in around him as his struggling grew weaker, and thought he saw a hook and bait flash in front of him. Reaching out, he felt a fishing line and grabbed it, then wrapped his fist around it and pulled. It went taut, and he felt the slightest hope as he tried pulling himself upward. His progress stopped, however, when the line went slack, and the rod itself sank into the water and floated downward right in front of him. Looking up once more, darkness closing in, he saw Andrea's legs again. No, not her legs. His legs? He reached up, weakly grabbing his calf 
with no luck, and with the last remaining strength in his shuddering body, he reached once more, grabbing an ankle and locking his hand around it as darkness washed over him and he sank. Above him, Greg felt like an anchor was dragging him down as he struggled to swim upward, making very little progress. He looked up to see Andrea swimming under the water and reached up for her, just brushing her right ankle. He saw her swim up quickly as he kept sinking, and he struggled harder to slow the descent any way he could. In the boat, Andrea, hysteric, screamed Greg's name over and over, seeing nothing in the water. She sobbed as a hawk faded into view in the sky, flying overhead, and eventually faded out again above the calm, sparkling water of the lake. That was awesome. I like the idea of like a murderous uh, t- t- uh, time vortex. That's brilliant. Yeah, bro. I yeah, like bro. that. Thanks, I like man. that a lot. Thanks, man. That uh, was righteous. Well done, Flora. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. I like, I like the, the, the idea of like a, a time loop be, being an agent of eternal murder. <laughs> <laughs> Only they'd paid attention to that hawk. Mm, yep. She looked at those hawks. What they needed was Trinity there, because she's really good at knowing when there's a glitch in the Matrix. That's right. That's right. All right, I've got a story here that I found. You got another story? Yeah. Yeah, I got another story. Yeah, bruh. Cool, cool. Some stories. Seriously. This one is uh, uh, when doing, you know, looking for stories. Actually, uh, the the blog Jezebel did a, a list of scary stories a few years ago, and I pulled this out of that one. Pulled the stink from the swamp. By, by someone by the name of lady sparrow now this is called the little girl who wasn't now i don't know if these are all made up or these are supposed to be true or not i I don't i don't know but they all are in the first person so maybe they're supposed to be true submitted or something collected yeah something like that i don't know okay but no it's a ghost story so all ghost stories have to start with i swear this is true (laughs) that's how you do it part of the ritual uh, so this is called the little girl who wasn't from Lady Sparrow. Um, <laughs> Lady Sparrow has a, a voice and it will be heard. <laughs> and we've decided what it is. <laughs> I lived in a house from hell for four years, from age 11 to almost 16. There was constantly something happening. Doors flying open and shut. Voices. Footsteps. Nothing ever stayed where you put it. I was alone there a lot because both my parents worked and I was constantly terrified. One of the most gut-level disturbing things, though, was the little girl in my bathroom. Every time I walked past my bathroom door, which was constantly, since it was right outside my bedroom, I saw a little girl with blonde curled hair and a rose-colored dress. She just stood there staring, looking like a photograph from 1905 or something emphasis mine. I started keeping the door closed so I could walk by without seeing her, but she was always there when I opened it. Once I stepped in past her, I couldn't see her anymore, but I could feel her there. She scared me, but I felt really sorry for her because she was trapped there, just like me, but probably forever. As the years went by and things in the house continued to get worse, she started seeming, mm, ellipsis, darker. I started feeling like she wasn't really a little girl. I knew there was something ugly in the house, and I felt like it was presenting this sympathetic image to me. 
Then I started thinking I was completely losing my mind. <laughs> One day when I was 14, I had a friend from out of town come stay with me for a week. I hadn't told her anything whatsoever about the house because I didn't think she would come if I did. Dick move, by the way. Editor's Major. comment. Dick move. People. Major Dickley. If there's one thing I want to put out here, it's fine if you live in a haunted address. Disclose that to, to guests. Immediately. Right Immediately. off Immediately. Hi, how are there. you? This is haunted. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you brought a casserole. Everything here is touched by Satan. <laughs> this is haunted. Can I take your coat? Also, you will be sucked into hell. Yeah. Soon. Right after she got there, we were sitting in my room and she left to go to the bathroom. Ew. (laughs) About a minute later, she walked back in with a puzzled look on her face and said, so there's a little girl in your bathroom. And I was like, um, uh, yeah, she hangs out in there. Blonde hair, curls, pink dress. Yeah. You know, that's not really a little girl, don't you? I almost threw up. I was so relieved and terrified and excited and ready to run out of the house screaming. She wouldn't use my bathroom for the rest of the week, and I started using it as little as possible without pissing off my parents, who did not want to believe. Ew. L. Eventually, we moved out, and I could not have been happier. I distanced myself from it mentally as much as I could. (laughs) Then, when I was 18, I took another friend on a road trip to pack up a few things I'd left in the house. Um, My parents hadn't managed to sell it and wouldn't for five more years. Ah, ma, yeah. Yeah. The minute we got on the property, my friend seemed uncomfortable. Probably because I didn't tell him where we were going there just to move stuff. Major dick move. That's a dick move. When we came around the bend in the long, steep driveway, he went completely white. I could tell something was wrong, but he insisted he was okay, so we got to work. After a while, he asked to use the bathroom, and I had directed him to the scariest one I could find in the entire house that was mine and didn't tell, didn't tell him anything about it. <laughs> Not 20 seconds after he left, he came running back in, gasping for breath, and slammed the bedroom door behind him. He started babbling about a little blonde girl who isn't really a little girl. All of a sudden, he went dead still, looked me in the eye, and very solemnly said, She's not happy with you. <laughs> you left, and you weren't supposed to. We threw whatever we could grab in two trips in my car. I still did two more trips. <laughs> this lady. After I walked him to another bathroom and waited outside the door and got the f*** out at top speed. Okay, here's the thing. If there is an entity in a bathroom who's expressed its distaste for you, don't go find another bathroom. You pee outside or you sh in your pants like you didn't already. I, didn't, I don't know. Is that it? That's it. They got out of there at top speed. All the stories end that way. That's why I think that they might actually be people's real stories because they're like, oh, and then I saw a disembodied hand float around the room and then never again for the rest of my life. <laughs> so that's what you get for Jezebeling. Well, 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 little, little girl in a bathroom. Well, tight. Tight buttock. I, I would US prefer if it was a, a nice naval officer that walked in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That's from, uh, that's from, uh, uh, late, 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 lady sparrow. I, I hope I didn't make you guys just, I hope I didn't terrify you into an inside out forever coma. Are you guys still able to, 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 to deal with this mortal realm? They know by now to bring a, a 
extra set of pants to yeah. lose. Because you don't want to leave a road apple, a horse apple in your apple bottom jeans. I really went through most of the jeans brands. Nothing, nothing scatological starts with Jake. So you're going to, I guess you could jizz in your Jordashness. <laughs> could wee wee in your Lee's. <laughs> could wee in your Lee's. You could, uh, <laughs> drop the brown gravy in your old navies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <I'm, laughs> yeah just yeah why why more no no <laughs> flora what do you got all right uh i have out here you're i've gonna, got a booty well, ts you're gonna give us the last note of a of a of a horrifying symphony of the damned um well i've got another listener story we'll Great. see we'll see where we're at uh for for wrapping it up or not but um this one comes straight to us from the Mind and fingers of Don Luke. Donald Luke. <laughs> of Donald Luke. <laughs> One Mr. Luke. Wow. Don Luke. You know, I'm friends with him. We're friends. Are you? Yeah, we share stories and adventures, sometimes correspondence. We are friends. Don Good. Luke. Well, let's see. <laughs> Sensible chuckle. This one doesn't this one doesn't have a, a title, so Dave, would you like to grace it with a title? Oh yeah. This is called the bubbling bones of the witch's cauldron. <laughs> Witches and bones. <laughs> yeah, it's got there's things that a scary story has to have in the title. Bones, definitely. Witches, if you can get it in there. Alrighty. I got bubbling in there too. Oh no, wait. The spooky bubbling bones of the terrifying witch's cauldron. What a what an incredible title. Tells you everything you need to know about what you're about to experience. Yeah. So uh, so now don't forget that it needs to have bones in a cauldron. Alrighty. I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take some some liberties with this. Good. Since it's Donald Luke uh, writing to us, but it's a it, it looks like it might be a western. So sweet. We'll, we'll do a little western slant on it. Wait. Um, western sound. Yeah. Howdy. Howdy, partner. Howdy. Howdy, partner. The dust storm would come on suddenly as I ran down Main Street towards the sheriff's. My legs burning, sand in my lungs, and the dust kicked up by my boots quickly whipped away by the wind. I ran into the wind, which blew hot and fierce. The office was nothing but a squat shape in the whirling cloud of grit. I tripped over the steps and knocked my knees something awful. The wind blew my hat away. Dust was in my eyes. Mondays, right? <laughs> I reckon. I limped up the steps and threw myself against the door. Sheriff, I called. Sheriff Wode. The wind took my words. Taking every damn thing from me. Got my hat. This damn got, wind. Got my contact lens. Each time I opened my mouth, it filled with hot sand. I covered my face with my hands and pounded the door with my shoulder. I tried not to think of what had happened at the pharmacy. I think I was crying. The door opened and I fell, landing again on my knee. I've always had bad luck in that way. If I hit something once, I was sure to hit it again. Unless I was shooting targets, that was. (laughs) I don't remember how, but I was on the rickety chair across from the desk with a glass of water in my hand, trying to speak but only wheezing. 
There's dust on my breath. The sheriff was standing, or trying to stand. One hand was on the wall and he leaned hard into it. The other was hooked into his gun belt. His eyes were rimmed red. The sand beat against the walls like rain and scratched the glass like logs popping in a fire. William, he said. His voice was thick. He chewed his words slowly. I would have answered, but I was drinking cool relief. I pulled out my handkerchief and wrapped this around my This ghost story brought to you by Cool Relief, bland, hydrating, uh, cowboy beverage. Cool Relief. It's not water. I coughed again and I looked at the sheriff. Sir, there's trouble. Real bad. Don't tell me, he said and inclined his head. No, no, no. Deeper. <laughs> Everyone gets nosebleeds. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like the sound from Inception. Wow. Tell him. I followed the gesture. Some dude or dandy stood there in a fine striped suit, neat as you please, buttoned all the way to the neck. He didn't sweat, and if there was such a thing as coolness, he seemed to leak it. His hat was in his hands, and his hands were clasped behind his back. A bright gold star was pinned to his chest. He nodded briefly and smiled briefer. His teeth were white. God damn it! Ain't nothing I hate nor in the white tooth of East Coast City Swicker and Yankee showing up in his fancy ass wool suit. I didn't say to- any of this, don't <laughs> <laughs> Sure as hell thought it though. There's I looked back to the sheriff who nodded and I looked back to the Federale or whoever the hell he was. There's trouble, uh, sir. Real bad trouble. Down at the pharmacy. I look back to the sheriff. Words caught in my throat. Sir, it was... Was it Nicky? The sheriff spoke thickly from somewhere back in his throat. I could only nod. The sheriff cleared his throat and stood up straight. He looked at the dude who nodded, and some secret palaver passed between them that I sensed was above my pay grade. The idle mind is a dangerous mind, and I began to drift back to those last few minutes in the pharmacy, and I bit down on my tongue to focus myself. The sheriff cleared his throat and stood straight, or at least straighter. As he spoke, he removed a handkerchief and wiped his forehead. Well, this here Mr. Carrasco, all the way from Chicago, Illinois. He's here to help with our, with our trouble. But Sheriff, how the hell- Now, Will, I hereby deputize you and I want you to take us to where where all this is going on and, and such. And what not? The wind scraped the side of the building, dragging sand across it like broken fingernails. The dude, or should I say, Mr. Carrasco, walked slowly over to the door and waited. He coughed delicately. <coughs> now wait here, Sheriff, this don't- William, please. It's Nicky. The sheriff walked like a hanging man to the door. He turned to me, his eyes a bottomless, cloudy gray. It's Nicky. I set my glass down and walked to the door, tying my handkerchief around my mouth and nose. As one, we stepped out onto the porch and down the steps to the road. The wind was upon us. The afternoon sun was completely covered by the black gray dust that boiled through the air. It bit into my eyes and tried to tug my handkerchief away from me. 
You ain't taking that, you son of a bitch. Some bitch. Even as I coughed, it worked its way down my throat. I'll not say I'm the bravest man, but I did pull both the sheriff and the dude, though his hands were clammy, in the vague direction of the pharmacy, or as far as I could tell, in the darkness. As we approached, a distant wailing drifted in with the wind. It seemed to bounce off every piece of sand that blew past us. When the sheriff heard that moaning, he hollered out, Nicky! and ran forward. Mr. Carrasco ran after him. I called for him to wait, but sand filled my mouth, and what with my bad leg, I fell somewhat behind him. They were only dim silhouettes in the distance. I staggered forward, and with each step I took, the wind blew louder and the moaning grew longer. Small green sparks spat up when two pieces of sand collided in the maelstrom. My skin itched like it was burning. The pharmacy loomed dark and inevitable in the distance. It was lit on the inside, the lamps burning through the windows. The sand had cut grooves into the glass, and the light cast strange angles into the darkness. I could see that one of the windows was covered in blood. The sheriff and the dude were standing by the door. The sheriff had lost his hat. Damn wind. God, it's just taken everything. He was screaming into the wind. His eyes were closed. Nicky, let us in. Let us in, please. The moaning rose and fell. Little green lights danced in front of my eyes. Each little grain of sand seemed to whisper to the other, carrying that horrible cry across the landscape, sweeping off into the distance as far as I could see. I covered my eyes. The wind roared. Nicky, please, it's your father. I opened my eyes. I took a step forward and the wind blew me back. Mr. Carrasco was leaned forward as if in pain. I watched him and a cold knot spread through my belly. Not a slick black hair was out of place. He grinned the way a coyote grins, lips pulled back from his teeth. He was muttering something, low and rhythmic, like a prayer. His hands were raised. All around him, little green sparks were dancing. The sheriff stepped forward. He gripped the porch banister with both of his hands. The wind blew and I heard wood creaking. I fell to my knees, digging my fingers into the earth. Nicky! Please, Nicky! The moaning stopped in a low voice. A voice made of stone grinding on stone. Pieces of pieces carried on the wind. Daddy! Daddy, I didn't want to do it! Made me do it, Daddy! Nicky! The sheriff took a step forward and a mighty gust blew him down. There was a pop as the banister split from the porch. I heard a powerful crack when the sheriff hit the ground and then watched his limp body be carried away by the wind, and the banister followed close behind. I yelled to him, but my throat was filled with grit, and I choked on my words. Mr. Carrasco was standing upright now, hands raised to the sky, and I saw that it was yelling now, but I could not hear the words. I felt a coldness radiating off him, and as he walked up the steps, the wind blew and I saw him stagger, but not fall. I coughed and reached my hand towards him, but the next gust knocked my belly. I closed my eyes, and when I opened them again, all I could see was a profound and terrible darkness. The moaning rose that I could not hear the sand rattle across the road. I felt a warmth trickle down to my eyes and realized my forehead was bleeding from a thousand tiny cuts. 
Lights flashed. The air was alive with splinters of green light. Carrasco was almost at the pharmacy door. One last time, I called to him, but the wind roared over me. And then with another powerful gust, I felt myself tumbling away into the vast and terrible gulf that stretched around me on all sides. I was screaming, but the wind stole my voice and cast it into the whirling darkness. Whirling darkness. Dervish devil diem. Thank you, Donald Luke. Yes, Donald Luke. Now, is that a spectral tornado? Twister? Is that a demon typhoon? Could be a demon typhoon. Thanks, Don Luke. Thanks, Don Luke. I liked it. I like I like country western Pretty times. Pretty Lovecraftian in a way. Yeah, huh? yeah. Huh? Huh? Like, huh? like there's more going on. Like there's more. We just cheat. showed up for the very end for a very long show. <laughs> Took a little piece of pie and left. <laughs> See ya. Now we're going to switch things up just a tad. Yeah. Going to round you out here as we always do. With a scary perm. With a scurry perm. This one. Dave's going to do it this time. Yeah, I'm going to do it this time. He is turned. At Flora's insistence. (laughs) This poem is called Waterwall. He slept in tranquil dream. Suddenly he flew, it seemed, thrown and landing on the floor, shaking walls and splintered doors. Just as quick, the room grew still. Distant tremors he could feel out the door and up the rock. There he stood in sleepy shock. How could oceans disappear? Then a hissing he could hear, and a trembling heavy roar headed for an empty shore. Sunrise turned a greenish hue, and as he climbed a better view, seeming far too large he saw what must be a water wall. Thought of ancient stories told of a wrath that he could unfold, sucking oceans with a breath, spewing endless waves of death. Instinct quickly cleared his mind, panicked now, he clawed and climbed, up despite the screams he hears as a village disappears. Once an evil came to call, scooped them up and took them all, now he's old, his stories wane. Of the morning, Satan came. <clears throat> boogity, boogity. That was, uh, that was from the book of Spookily Dookily. Yeah, yeah. And that was written by a fellow by the name Gene Bourne. Not, not, not a listener, just, just found it. Just, just a dude. Just a dude who got real lucky because we're going to catapult him into stardom from our fame machine. We're both afraid to get into, apparently. That's right. We can't even use it. <laughs> so there you go. Listen, yeah. Oz. There are your tales of misery and woe that you can use to terrify your loved ones or your hated ones. Everyone always talks about their loved ones, but I feel like your hated ones also have a very clear impact on your life and you have to track their movements as well. Plus, you want to do bad stuff to them. Of course you do. Because they're assholes. And, and it's it's the end of Blurry Photober soon. Uh. Will be all Hallow's Eve where you can finally reap vengeance. Why isn't it a vengeance holiday? It kind of used to be. Then it became a protection racket where you were paying children not to f your life up. Yeah. Uh, and now where are we? I don't know. We're too politically correct now. You can't avenge something. Uh, I don't these know days. if it's, I don't know if if, if 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 vengeance is politically incorrect. I think it's just that oh, it's it's illegal. Everything's politically incorrect. I think it's illegal. <laughs> But seriously, seek vengeance this Halloween. Seriously. 
that is that is my greatest advice. I think we'll be uh, speaking to the Chicago Mensa Army. Yeah, yeah, we'll be coming out of their bunkers, and we'll, we'll be teaching them our doctrine of vengeance. And man, think of how elaborate a Mensa group will be at plotting vengeance. <laughs> I mean, there'll be turns within turns. I, I mean, you'll never know. Their machinations uh, are astounding as it is. I mean, if you can do math problems that well. Yeah. Uh, the the world is your oyster. The world Ooh. is your oyster. Yeah. You can afford top-notch entertainers like Dave Flora and Dave Stecco. I am, why am I just insisting I'm just paving over the David and Dave thing? It's, it's. Yeah, I don't know. Sucker. I am a sucker. But uh, um, one thing that we do keep intact since we're switching things up and everything, uh-huh. we've got to regale you with some uh, grotesque, unsightly. Oh, hideously deformed. Unbecoming. <gasps> Bones! All right. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Tough guy. Your call. You're tough. You go first. All right. I have an entity that hangs around in inns uh-huh. and scratches on doors when she wants to clean the room. Never mind. I'm going first. Of guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. F- you. Oh. It's the sweeping Sweet. thief. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, pun theft. Yeah. Pun theft. Yeah. And you even told me to go first. Yeah. Then I told you to stop and you didn't. No means no, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, albatross of <laughs> of punning on this episode, on this uh, podcast. Yeah, it's been, we were just talking about how long it's been since we've had a genuine act of pun theft. Yeah. That deserves a <laughs> from the Thor bear. Oh, well, I've got a, I've got an interesting story also. Now, this is actually more of a historical anecdote. About a uh, a famous explorer, a famous explorer, uh, Scandinavian, went by the last name of Ericsson. Okay, um, which there's no shortage of. Doesn't really narrow it down. But the thing is, is that he, especially on long boat rides, just got really emotional. Start writing a lot of emo poetry, mm-hmm. and uh, people just got. I mean, his fellow explorers, other Vikings, they got sick of it. They just, you know, he used to be a badass. And they, you know, by the time he was done, they just called him Weeping Leaf <laughs> Erickson. Weeping Leaf Erickson. Yeah, yeah. That's All right. You get when I have to call the audible at the last second, because otherwise it was going to be so good, bro. <laughs> Almost as good as Sweeping Thief. Yeah. Well, I have a horror master mm-hmm. who spent a while creepily looking for a tale that was stolen from him. Oh, really? Edgar Allan Taylor Poe. Yes. Well played. T A L E. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got a, I've got one for you, Flora. Shoot. It's a uh, a a chilling tale that'll send shivers up your spine. Am I ready for its chilly? I don't think so. It's it's about someone who who goes to a store and orders a beverage, and every time they're just about to get it, of this cool, delicious dairy treat, <laughs> it just their hand passes right through it. Oh they, no. They blink and they're walking back into the store again. And they order it, and he brings it out, and just as they're about to get it, blink, and they're back to, it's called The Shake. (laughs) No! Oh, nice. Yeah, right. Nice. Them's puns. Them's puns. Hey, everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's important for everyone at this point to know that we've heard enough out of you today. 
we've heard enough out of everybody. <laughs> thanks, thanks everybody for your for your listener stories that you yes, submitted. Yes, it was awesome. And thanks, uh, thanks for everything you do. You know, you 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 keep us uh, going like like rainbows and and sugar stars. I am don't don't look at me like that. Okay, I I think you should go over to uh to Facebook and continue that uh, support yeah, by we, liking our page. Yes, we crossed seven hundred. Right, we did that. We have exceeded seven hildos. You know how much faster we're doing that now. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Thank you very much. And and that's because you guys are telling your friends. And that 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 makes that is the biggest deal in the world. It makes all the difference in the world. If if you did nothing else, mm-hmm. that alone is the greatest thing you can do. Right. Although another great thing you could do would be to punch the donate button. But I don't know. <laughs> that's neither here nor there. It's a reverse trick or treat this time around. It's a reverse trick or treat. Ding dong on the donate button. Take some candy out of your plastic. Um, uh, <laughs> pumpkin head. Put the candy and the candy's money into our into our digital candy bag. Into our yeah, our digital pumpkin head. Hope you followed that all the way through. Go over to uh, Twitter. Follow us on blurry underscore photos. Get mm-hmm. us some more uh, followers on there. You know, tweet it. Tweet us mm. out. Go we, to uh, that's something we we'll, we need to like jack up. Yeah, we need uh, to work on that better. The numbers on, but we want to make that. I want to make that more worth. I mean, I want people to be glad that they like, oh, not only do they know when the episode drops, but I want them to be like, (laughs) but when it doesn't drop, there's still sweet shit to be had there. That's Uh, a good point. Yep. Uh, Don't forget, uh, get yourself a book, an audio book, audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. That's right. Get a book of spooky stories. Don't. Don't. They are. (laughs) They are a tough tough mistress you know what go get, grab a an hp lovecraft work from there, there you go read yeah that to you yeah. yeah get get something from somebody who knows what's up yeah go over to the itunes and spook us with a five-star review oh yeah really scare the shit out of us <laughs> with a good review yeah you know what actually that'd be kind of fun uh can can you guys could you write for the in in, in praise of the season um like a spookily doogly review yeah <laughs> someone write a review as a ghost yeah. I just like to say that the Dave and David really did their research and their portrayal of us as specters was really accurate. And it's finally fun to see someone, you know, we're getting both sides of the story out. <laughs> right. Also, I, I recently used Scare and B and I <laughs> loved it. <laughs> yeah. Post is a ghost. <laughs> do, do some ghost posts. So yeah. um, thank you guys again. Thanks to the Chicago Podcast Co-op. Yes. Uh, if you like what we do, go te- check out Team GFB Radio. Which is uh, Dave Lang and Daryl Wisner sharing tales from the front lines of game development. Sweet, and talking current events in the games industry. That's something that uh, yeah. is always I'm I'm always interested in, in near and more dear about. to my heart. I'd love to to get into that at some point. But you know, you know what uh, what I like doing better is this podcast. So boom, we'll keep doing that. <laughs> no, I won't no, waste no, your time no. in, anymore. So I, I think I think that's going to wrap it up for us, though. Yeah. And, uh, happy Blurry Photober. You know, we we might throw something extra your way this month. Uh, there's yeah. still a little bit of time, but we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Oh, you're going to get some. <laughs> but uh, yeah, keep keep those eyes on the horizon. Krampus Noct is coming up uh, sooner than you think. I'm. You know what? My rule is this, and it's because I love the Christmas season entirely. Is that the gear goes Halloween direct to Christmas? I know it's not a popular thing. I know people get upset when they see Christmas in November. You're wrong. You're wrong. Christmas should last the two months between Halloween <laughs> and Christmas Day. It's just, it's such a glorious thing. and It's exciting. Yeah. I enjoy some Thanksgiving. It's, nice, it's usually yeah. a low key holiday, but um, 
uh, yeah, keep keep your eyes open. Keep your calendars uh, open for December 6th. I think that's when this, uh, yeah, this so is going to go down. Yeah, it's a one night only, so it's going to be a thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, keep, uh, we'll keep up to date on, on that and let you know, because I think we're going to try and make the trip yeah, down I think to we're Bloomington, gonna, Indiana. Maybe rent a war wagon yeah. and load up, yeah. spray our mouth silver, and just, <laughs> just go down there. Ride shiny and chrome. So uh, that'll do it for this episode of yeah. Blurry Photos, though. And um, I guess... This month of blurry photo, a, a proud conclusion to our most powerful month of blurry photober. Once again, I have been David. <laughs> Laura and I'm Dave. <laughs> Stecco. The song that children sing drifts out from under the door, a woman's voice, and yet somehow thin, translucent. The weeping thief is come to sweep away your dreams. And when night forever falls, no one else will hear your screams. The weeping thief is here a knocking on your door. And if you don't answer quick, you'll answer nevermore. The weeping thief is tired of hearing about your sin. Offers you this one chance to come and let her in. <laughs> Secret track. <laughs> I don't know why that was like, I got to make up a tune for this. Tom Jones. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> this terrifying song goes out to TJ. <laughs> okay. I've got to find a way to do this right. It's not unusual <laughs> to weep outside my door. <laughs> 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 <laughs>